Um, okay, great. So, um, a few words from me. Um, and I'm just standing here looking around at you all and just really feeling in my heart um, that I'm loving you being here. And I um, really mean that. It just means so much um, that a group of people um, of this size um, is willing um, to get together and wants to get together to think about God's work on a Saturday when we could be doing so many other things and when there are um, other people who would like to be here who unavoidably are doing other things as well. And I just think that's very, very exciting. I love it. And I often think to myself and I say to um, people from time to time, um, Jesus birthed the church out of 12 minus 1. And if Jesus could birth the church out of 12 minus 1, and if we had a group of 12 committed people here today, well, the world's our oyster with God on our side and the Holy Spirit working through us. And that's just fantastic. So our church, um, our church purpose is to glorify God in all we, to glorify God and do all we can to extend his kingdom on earth, to reach, to heal, to prepare. And this year's motto text is from Galatians. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This um, verse came to me this morning. Um, it, it, the, I had other verses that I was going to use, but I completely ab abandoned them because this verse just hit me this morning. Um, I won't tell you where I was when this verse came into my mind, and I thought, that's, that's the verse I really want to share um, this afternoon. And this is it. It's from Philippians um, and chapter 3 and verse 13. It's Paul saying this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. So together with um, a few others in this room, um, I've been involved with Glendale from its birth in 1983. So this is our 40th year. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And we can look back and we can see some things that God has done in and through us and it's really good to reflect. But I just have this strong urge to say that if we are to achieve God's purpose for us in Christ, to glorify God, to do all we can to extend his kingdom, we must live and walk in the spirit in the moment. 
with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And our vision to reach, heal and prepare involves every one of us. Every one of us. As individuals playing our part in the body. When we met here in March, we shared our new um, post-COVID situation that we just found ourselves in, not of our making. We lost St. Bart's, but we gained the little building of the well. What can you do with that? It's tiny, as our own small building in Thatcham. It seemed that the immediate future would be without Sunday morning worship in Newbury. And in faith, we accepted this as the Lord's leading into a new season. And putting aside personal feelings, we showed our willingness to follow, making the best use of the resources available at the Well, Washington Common Community Centre and Broadway House, but most of all, us, God's people. That's our greatest resource. That's our most important resource. And it isn't just about what we do. It's about who we are. God accepts us and loves us and wants to use every one of us just as we are. As I reflect on the past seven months since that March meeting, when we were sort of going a little bit into the unknown and we shared stuff that we felt we should share, as I reflect on those seven months, I, I can actually think of, and I'm not going to specify, um, examples of healing in the church and examples of preparing and seeing prepared lives um, of individuals um, who've entered into ministry in, in the church. But I feel the most significant thing has been the way in which our reach is being extended. And I just feel really excited about where we are as a church at the moment. I feel as excited as I have ever done about where we are as a church at the moment. And I see great significance in the way our reach is being extended. And um, we've probably all heard little bits about it, and we're going to hear more. But I'm just going to pick out some things that I find really exciting. I find replenish really exciting. It's been established at the well on Fridays, and 10 or a dozen families regularly attend Friday morning sessions. And that represents contact with approaching 20 families, most of which are unchurched. Thanks to a grant from the Cinnamon Trust and Lucy's persistence over there, Welcome Churches is now running weekly Friday afternoon sessions for asylum seekers. So we're 14 there Friday, there's regularly over 10. And Lucy and Liz have established meaningful contact with an Afghan family living in Newbury with the possibility of more. And during this week, um, a one-off, not a full course, um, teaching English as a foreign language session was delivered at the well 
and several of our own people attended that, as well as people from the um, West Berkshire Action for Refugees. The new outreach that we talked about, um, saying it was sort of an outreach to the disadvantaged, is up and running. So with a grant from the Cinnamon Trust, it's taken the form of a Christians Against Poverty Life Skills course, and I think it is brilliant. I feel very excited about it. But put your hand up if you um, remember Oasis. Yeah, okay. So put your hand up if you were part of the leading of Oasis. Yeah, okay, so great. So here's, um, here's just, just the most brilliant encouragement for us as a church, and it just points to what I've been hinting at earlier and suggesting earlier. So um, one day, um, Sam Chapman came into Oasis as a single parent mum with all sorts of challenges and struggles. She came to faith and was baptised. And now she's reached the point where it's her vision to start this work. It's been her vision to start this work. She's developed the maturity, the gifts, the abilities to drive us to stand with her in starting up this work. And so it started. And I just think it's amazing. And pray God's blessing on you, Sam. And praise God for the work of Oasis. And if you had one person in Oasis who was going to do something, it would, it would be worthwhile. And here's Sam today, and you're going to be hearing about the work that she started because of your work in Oasis and the work of others who were involved in that at the time. Let's remember this in our ministries. There could be anybody in this room who'd be called to do anything for God. There could be anything in the new group that's meeting on Fridays that could be touched, come to faith, and do anything for God. We've seen it. Joel has recently stepped down from his ministry. We've all been celebrating his work. Some of us knew Joel as the teenager, newly appointed as youth leader in the church. Some of us were absolutely committed to him and his potential. Others had big doubts for very good reasons. Joel, the teenager, the newly appointed youth leader, and Joel, the dad, is the same person. But those of us who've walked with him along that road have the privilege and joy of seeing a massive transformation in him through his years with us and of the fruit that has come from his work. So I'm talking about two people in a very pointed way, Sam and Joel. And I'm saying that those who invested in their lives were certainly walking with God and part of not just blessing their lives, but the many, many lives that they have touched and are going to touch. 
Throughout its existence, Glendale has seen a small succession of teenagers on a regular basis come to faith, some from outside the church, be baptized, mature, and move on to Christian leadership in university church settings. They're all over the country. But I cannot recall a group as healthy and as strong in faith as we've currently seen moving on to various universities and churches and the ministries that they are carrying out there and have already played a part of in our Glendale Church, leading musical worship, service leading, preaching, youth and children's work. And saying, any one of us, any one of us as an individual has the potential to touch other lives, to move with God, to be used by God. Don't discount anybody in this room from the youngest to the oldest. I really want to mention that Pete and Chris have started Freedom in Christ. They've got a group of about 17 or 19 coming every week to that course. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And thank them so much. And I'm so grateful for that. What a great encouragement that is at the well. And then turning um, to Wash Common, luminous, luminous and luminosity have become embedded at Wash Common post-COVID. And there is a sense of change in the evening service because of the need for some people to bring their children along, because that's the service that we have in Newbury now. And there have been new faces appearing, a lot of new faces appearing. And this, together with the realisation that we are the only church in Newbury, and I'm talking about Newbury because there's none in Thatcham, and there's probably, there's probably very few for a very, very large area, we are the only church in Newbury that has our main service on a Sunday evening. You know, tick, 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 tick. Probably the early church met on Sunday evenings because they were all at work during the day and had other things to do. And these things make the leadership team feel that the Lord at the moment is really calling us to focus our resources in a special way on developing Sundays at Wash Common in the immediate months ahead. And Steve is going to say something specific about that um, further on in this meeting. So in March, we expressed the sense that our current position was not down to our ideas and plans. It was despite them. Today, I feel confirmed in the belief that the Lord is truly with us, that he is leading us forward and the Lord's plans will succeed, not necessarily because of us, sometimes despite us, but we have the opportunity to get on board. So I feel really encouraged. I honestly feel really encouraged and excited. As encouraged and excited as I've ever been, despite our really truly human weaknesses and failings we could be talking about a lot of those 
But God, by his spirit, I believe, is with us. And he wants to use us for his glory in Newbury, in Thatcham, and in West Berkshire. And so I repeat, I love it. I really love it that you are here today showing that you are committed and on board. Thank you for being here. If we were the only believers in the area, and we are certainly not, there would be more than enough of us to set West Berkshire on fire with the gospel. Bring it on. Go, Andy. <laughs> um, I'm only going to mention two small things, and then we're going to do a, a bit of a snapshot of some interviews with people uh, who are leading ministries across uh, Glendale. I'm going to do a bit of a wrap-up thing after we've had a coffee break after that, so in about an hour's time. But two things I'm going to mention. One, I think I'm going to do this one first, actually. Uh, I want to just talk about the new council. So we've had two meetings of the new council, um, which have felt quite dynamic and vibrant and fun to be along at. I don't know if you were on the council and you felt the same thing. Maybe you did or maybe you didn't. Um, but could I just ask, if you are on council, so we have uh, James, who isn't here. He's um, actually had some significant health challenges and he's actually staying with his parents on the Wirral at the moment, but he's connecting into Glendale online and is involved in our life group. And um, so you won't have ever met him at a service in Newbrook, but he's totally committed to Glendale and doing some really exciting things in terms of communication stuff and um, that kind of thing. Then we've got Chris. So Chris, could you just stand so that people can see you and who you are? This is uh, Chris Roberts. Uh, there's Hattie Allen. Graham. Pot, uh, Graham, not Potts. <laughs> Graham Stewart. Rachel. Colleen. Wherever, there she is. Uh, and, and Janet. Ah, uh, Janet. Uh, now, the new roles that there are, so there's Chris and uh, Graham and Hattie. So Hattie has taken the responsibility from Amy uh, for health and safety. So if you're running something uh, and you get hounded by Hattie uh, for a risk assessment, or if you're beginning to wanting to put a, an event together or you're thinking about something and, um, and Chris gets in touch with you to ask you some questions or to walk through an event checklist with you, or if Graham, uh, you know, if we point you in the direction of Graham in relation to something to do with the facilities at the well or anything like that, um, I want you to just know that those people are acting on behalf of the leadership of Glendale and we totally endorse them, their uh, ministry, their roles. Uh, in terms of an event management role, that's a new role uh, on council. So we're finding our way with that and what that looks like and we're shaping it and Chris will grow into that. She's got a lot of experience uh, in, in management and leadership stuff. So she's going to be a great person to have on board. We're really excited about that. We've never owned a facility of our own, so we've never had a facilities person before. So we're just working our way through that and just getting ourselves in the zone of what do we need to do to be compliant. We've just had a 37-page fire risk assessment 
uh, completed this week, which is great nighttime reading. Um, so, so just would you be praying for um, that group of people and as they step into those roles, as they grow in confidence in those roles, and as we get used to pushing those people forward into their leadership positions. The other area of leaders that I just want us to really, uh, when we come to pray at the end of this slot of time, we're going to be praying for specific ministries. But if you're involved in life group leadership, could you just stand for a second and we, just so we can have a look around at who we've got. Um, so look around, we've got, so obviously Andy and Liz and Owen and Rachel and uh, Pete and Chris and Leslie and Mark and Gordon and Cliff, Janet, Jill, um, and there are there are several others who uh, who and Paula. Sorry, sorry, you blended into the background. Um, uh, we, we, when we come to pray, just be mindful and take some time to pray for those people because what we do as a church. Um, I mean, we we talked about COVID and you know the the, the period that we went through, um, but that that the, the the life group network within the church was massively fundamentally important in keeping us um, together as a church community. But in terms of as we look to the future, as we look to the potential for growth, as we can think about the people who are coming towards us, let's think about those 20 families who are coming to replenish. If all of those decided to do an alpha course and suddenly we had 20 families, that's 30 or 30 or more people, including the children, um, to disciple, we've got a lot of work to do. And so the, 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 the what... Life group leaders bring is hugely important. I wanted to really acknowledge that and say thank you for what you do. Thank you for the time that you spend with people. Um, and um, yeah, let's be praying for them. Uh, the change to the evening service then. So um, there's been, this has come about through a couple of things. One has been uh, because of the fact that we've got a growing number of families with children coming towards us and trying to find out a, a way of helping families and the church community interact better together and particularly to be able to worship together. Um, so when, when we have, you know, the kids come out of Luminous, they're able to worship with the adult uh, church um, to encourage the growth that's already happening in that um, and, and to be honest, I have lost count of the number of people who have been chewing my ear off and wanting the evening service break back. Um, and I know that that's not everybody's cup of tea, literally cup of tea or cup of coffee, but that's been, been a, a, a really big thing that we've had a lot of people asking about. So what we plan to do, because at the moment we've been saying the evening service is at 6.30, but come for six and have a cup of coffee. So we basically, it's still, it's going to be six, but come for six. We're going to have worship together. All of the kids from Luminous and Luminosity will be there. We'll all worship together. And we'll then have a short break. We'll have the coffee time then, which is a brilliant opportunity. And if you were not around in the evening service in the times before COVID when we had that, where it's, a, um, in a sense, a contained space where people can't kind of vanish off out the door quickly and not, like, not be spoken to, uh, but there's, it's in a sense, it's a forged space where relationships can form. Where uh, and we saw a lot of growth in the evening service, and a lot of that was put down to that great uh, relational time that we spent together. So um, we'll have coffee. At si uh, so we'll have the service start at six. We'll have worship. We'll have coffee, and then if kids need to get home, they can go 
during the coffee break and at 20 to 7, we'll have one song, we'll have the talk and then response time. So it's just a slight change, um, but it just means hopefully that there'll be able to be more crossover. And as well, because there will be a dead stop at 7.30 and maybe that some of the kids uh, will be able to stick around for the whole service. And Colleen, look, likes you about to... Well, it's worth mentioning, um, so because some of you will be wondering, particularly those that are involved in setting up for the evening service, with us starting at 6, what does that mean for Luminous and Luminosity? So Luminous will start 15 minutes early. Luminous and Luminosity will start 15 minutes early. They will start at... 4.30. Thank you. 4.30. And um, go till 5.30. Luminous, and we've trialled it last week, and I think it's going to work well. Luminous will go into the back room at quarter past five so that we've still got that 45 minutes for setup. Um, and if you are... Um, and that lessens the time for parents because we'll finish at 5.30, but the setup team can come in at quarter past. It lessens the time for parents and kids to hang around for the service to start. So there'll be a half-hour stretch there. And if you are a parent that has luminous, luminosity kids, we'll encourage you, bring sandwiches, bring nibbles, so that you know, you're not starving through the service, and we can gather and we can sit together as families and we can connect in that half-hour stretch and we will set up a place to do so. So that, that is how that will streamline into the evening service. So, Thank you. And just to say I really strongly feel, I know Andy felt uh, encouraged, but I strongly feel that we are stepping into a season of significant growth um, with, the, with the evening service and what's, hap what's happening at Wash Common and let's just pray into that. Let's be expectant in that. When we come to prayer at once, uh, Liz, uh, has, if you want to come now, Liz, Liz is going to just talk through some stuff with people. And then we're going to pray. Uh, Mark and Elizabeth are going to facilitate that. So I'm not exactly sure how we're going to do that. Um, Mark doesn't know how we're going to do that, but he will. He, the Lord will tell him in the next 20 minutes. Um, on, on our tables, we're going to pray into some stuff. But please be praying into uh, this sense of growth and this opportunity that we have of uh, families coming towards us of how we um, embrace that and see that first Sunday in November yeah oh, I thought you were going to bring out a deep and meaningful point from Spot the dog that's for later I was really looking forward to that okay Sam come up Sam so Andy has already spoken about Sam and uh, I think it was probably over four years ago that Sam came to see Andy and I and said, God has laid on my heart that I want to do something. And she'd got really vague ideas. And we said, well, you know, we'll pray yeah. for you. And here we are. She's done two sessions out of six for this term's life skills course, which will be repeated again after Christmas in January. So, Sam. Uh, no, you're going to do the speaking. That's fine. <laughs> So, Sam, tell us, what's been great about it so far? Well, like Liz says, two weeks ago we launched Life Skills, and um, it was about four years ago I came to them with this vision. And if you remember back in March, Andy talked about impact, light, art, life, love. And that was the vision back then. And um, through that vision, Steve teamed up with, um, and the leadership teamed up with Christians Against Poverty, who run life skills. And through that, I interviewed and became a life skills manager. And two weeks ago, we launched. It's been amazing. It's been a really great opportunity. We've had a few people, three, three people that have been coming along. It's a small start, 
but that was really good for me because I think I'm having to build my confidence in speaking in front of a group of people. So this is really great today. <laughs> and I wore red because it matches with my skin colour when I stand up and speak. <laughs> but yeah, so um, the most amazing thing that happened was last week we had an opportunity to pray for the group and we mentioned the people within the group. And following that, this lady, you know, very clearly had a touch from the Holy Spirit and um, she said, nobody's ever prayed for me before. But through that, you could see that it had really touched her. And I think the great thing about Life Skills is we do have an opportunity to share our faith, to share the love of Jesus, and to share, you know, in a, in a really lovely way um, about what, what our faith is all about. So, Sam, what would you like us to pray about? What's your biggest challenge? Um, so, yeah, I would really love for it to just continue to grow. I'd really love for you to be praying about the delegates. I'm just really thankful for the wonderful team. We've had wonderful, lovely Rachel, who is my second in command and is absolutely wonderful, and I wouldn't be able to run it without her. And also Liz is standing forward to do the life coach training. So it'd be really great if we could be praying for the team, for the wonderful team of volunteers and for the people who are coming along. Thank you, Sam. Great. Thank you. (laughs) Now I'm going to invite Pete and Chris to come up. Um, They've been, they're experienced at running Freedom in Christ and um, they have really seen how God uses it to strengthen people's walk with them. So Pete and Chris, I'd like you to tell us, what are you excited about so far? We're we're excited because... um, one of the things that happens whenever we try and uh, start a course is that there's a... You, talk, you hear about the battle in the spiritual realm, but there's a, a tremendous uh, battle going on because God, uh, God wants us to do it, but Satan doesn't. And so we are very aware of that. And so we're really thrilled here because the um, leadership has been really supportive and has really helped us to get this going. And uh, it's made it much easier for us, hasn't it? Yeah. Okay, and I'd like you to tell us, what do you feel God is saying to you about this specific course right now? Mm. (laughs) What is God saying? Um, I think that's very difficult to say because in a nutshell, the, the reason that we are so passionate about this course is that because it sets the prisoner free. Now, the course doesn't set the prisoner free. But the ethos of it is, it's to take us to the cross. And it's Jesus that sets the captive free. And, and for my life, I know, I know of that freedom. I know the place I was and where I am now, and the freedom that I have in Jesus' name. When, you know, the battle of the enemy, who would come and destroy and hijack all that's in our lives, um, the name of Jesus comes and just breaks across that. And that's what we're excited about for this group, because... In all of our lives, we have issues. Some of us may say, well, I don't know much. You may not have much, but it could be a deep issue. It could be reflecting on your whole of your life. So I think that's the excitement because we know that Jesus will come and set the captives free in whatever area they might be in. Thank you very much, both of you. So Colleen, so Colleen started Replenish from scratch. And I know that she did it with a real sense of vision. And um, 
So I'd like Colleen to start by telling us what's the vision that she had, and is her vision still the same, or is it moderated at all? <laughs> Very good questions. Um, so my vision was, um, having been to many parent and toddler groups, just because I'm a kids worker, so I pop along with friends, and also having run one at my previous church, um, my vision was I wanted a space that was as much for the parents and carers as it was for the kids. Very often it's set up so that the kids have all these great activities and toys and then you do snack time and then you do singing and, and then parents have to leave early and they feel badly or they're missing or they come late and they've missed the playtime. And, and I just wanted a more relaxed environment and I wanted an environment where the team wasn't just there to facilitate activities but was there to really connect, um, to connect with with the mums and dads, carers that come, to connect um, and to support. So, you know, we, we've had a mum come along um, who has twins and she's so valued that the team will come alongside her and give her an extra set of hands on the mornings that she's there. And, and just recognising, you know, if they've got multiple kids or if they just, you know, if there's a moment, get on the floor and play with the child so that that mum can just relax. We get a lot of mums, so you'll have to forgive me if I constantly say mums. Um, and, and it's been really fun for me to watch, to watch the vision come to play because I, I wasn't sure how it would work. I wasn't sure. Um, sometimes you have your vision, but what it takes to get there is a bit different um, than what you might think to start with. And I, I didn't want it to be cliquey because I also know sometimes it can be cliquey and mums can form their little groups, but I wanted it to be an environment where it didn't matter your, you know, what your background or what your, you know, um, where you fit in society that you could feel welcome. And it's been really fantastic watching that happen. Um, and I think my team is a large part of that, just the way we connect, the way we care for the parents and carers and the kids that come in. And... Um, in answer to your question, my vision hasn't changed. We've adapted and shifted some of the, 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 to use a metaphor, the vehicle that we use to make the vision happen and tweak things here and there. And I'm learning things from my team. And, um, but the vision, the vision is still the same. Yeah. Thank you. And what do you really hope will come out of this venture? What's your heart? What's your prayer? So, so my prayer is that we'll begin to see some of the mums connect in with Glendale or with, that they will come to faith. Um, I think you can be praying for those, for those conversations. They feel very, very welcome. They, we get regulars that absolutely just love coming and being. And, and one of the mums whose kids started nursery was really sad. She was going to miss it. And I said, well, come along anyway. Um, and... Uh, your question again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive my pregnant what brain. Was, what was your prayer? What's your prayer? What do you hope will come out um, of it? Just that as we build relationship, that they will see the kingdom of God, that conversations will naturally... I think you answered it, yeah. It's fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done. Okay, Rachel. So Rachel, as you know, has taken over Joel's role. And uh, one thing she's taken over is the Friday Evening Youth Cafe, which he started from scratch. So we'd really like to know, what's the best thing about this event, Rachel? <laughs> um, so, yeah, starting Youth Cafe over the last few weeks. I've been in and out of it before in the past, um, just to support and to stand in for Joel on occasions when he was at university. 
And I think it's the energy and the just uh, utter madness. <laughs> um, but there's, it's just, there was a really lovely opportunity yesterday where we were making smoothies and, um, and a couple of weeks ago we were making popcorn and <laughs> making popcorn from scratch. And they're going, oh, you can see it pop. And because they've never, most of them had never made popcorn from scratch before, they were looking at it as if this was something you know, completely brand new, which it was for quite a few of them. They'd only ever made it in a bag in a microwave. Um, so it was just, it's little things like that, I think, that are just, that just, yeah, come out, things that you're doing with them that they've just not necessarily ever really done before. And they're just, they seem, making the smoothies yesterday, they came away and were, oh, thank you. Because they just made banana and Nutella smoothies, and that was very exciting. <laughs> okay, and just with a couple of quick sketches, could you... Can you introduce us to a couple of those young people who come? Yeah, so we've got... Um, there's, a, there's a lad that comes along called Oscar. Um, no names. Sorry, no surname. Um, <laughs> so he is... Um, there's, there's ADHD and there's, I think there's other things that I don't know about yet, but you kind of get the feeling that there's quite a lot going on there and there's quite a lot going on at home. Um, and he's, he's only just started coming this, this year. He wasn't coming before when Joel was doing it, so he's kind of coming quite fresh and not, no expectations, I suppose, which is quite nice for me. But, <laughs> um, but there's, you see there's, there's stuff in him that pents up, and you can see it really it builds over the course of the evening um, because he, he reaches his limit, I think, by the end. But you can see there's something in him that is just so um, really kind... But it, he doesn't often know how to do it. But you notice it every now and again, just these little things pop out in him where he's just, he, you know, really helpful, wants to do things for you, wants to kind of bring something to you or, or help you set something up. But he just needs the opportunities to do it and he needs to be almost trusted with those things. Um, and you can see in him that he wants to be trusted. He wants to be given those chances to be able to do things. Sorry about my noisy children. Um, but, um, yeah, there's just things like that. And... Then there's a, there's a couple of lads that come along. They come, they're friends, um, two, two lads that come together. And again, you just see something. They've been coming for a long time. They've been coming since the start, I think. But you just, there's a real like, trust in them coming along. They, they know that they're in a place where they can be themselves, where they can do what they want to do and, and um, just have a laugh and be silly. And they know that they can do that with the leaders as well. They know they can have a laugh with us and they know that they can chat. Um, and they were quite happily just chat. Oh yeah, with my summer holidays, I was doing this. I was doing this. I had all this time with my friends. I was doing, and they just talk really freely. And it's just really nice that they feel like that is a safe space. And it's really nice for me, I suppose, as well, coming in new. And they've they've met me before, but don't know me well. And it's nice that that for them hasn't changed. That they don't feel like just because the person has changed, that the setting has, and that they can't still do that. They can't still have that opportunity to chat and. Um, be themselves. Thank you, Rachel. And now it's Neil and Lucy. <laughs> oh, Lucy. <laughs> so they've always had a heart for the people of the world. I'm, I expect most of you know that they spent their early years together in Azerbaijan. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, so most of you know that they spent their early years together in Azerbaijan. So they've always had a heart for the world. And here they are in Newbury. You can have a heart for the world in Newbury. So Lucy, 
what are the main things we're doing at the moment as Welcome Church? Well, I think Andy actually said that. Can you just repeat that quickly? Yeah, Andy talked about one of the bits. But there's sort of two bits that have naturally developed. Um, so we are doing welcome boxes, which means we have a kind of excuse to... Um, Go and give a gift to a family who are refugees who live who live in Newbury, um, and who've settled here. And it means we we get to connect with um, we've connected so far with a couple of different families in the area. That's what Andy talked about. But there's a second part um, which we've really seen God blessing, and um, which is very exciting is the Friday afternoons at the well that Steve and I are leading. Um, to, with a massive group of volunteers, and we all have a lot of fun, um, which is Tea, Coffee and English Conversation Club um, at the well on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, now, tell us what you find is really great about this venture. What's exciting you about it? Um, well, it's different every week. You never know who's going to turn up. Um, so... Sometimes we have very small numbers, and more recently we've had um, quite a few people, like nine people arrive, sometimes we've had ten, and from they're from all around the world, and they've walked down from um, a local hotel. They're asylum seekers mainly who, who live... Ten, there's an asylum seeker hotel ten minutes from the well, which is kind of why we were ideally placed at why why God put it on our hearts really, um, having visited the Steve having visited the hotel one time that was it wasn't it and they do have English classes there but it was an opportunity for, for we we could see that if they could come out and go somewhere where we could be hospitable and give them somewhere else to to come on a Friday afternoon um, open our doors. Um, uh, then, then we thought it would encourage them, and and we would we we are hoping to give them some more English as well. Okay, thank you. Now, what do you? What's your vision for what you? What's your vision for what you hope God might do among us as a result of this venture? Um, well, my personal, we haven't really had much time to discuss vision, but personally speaking, I um, I would love our church to be more um, multicultural and I think that like we would um, see like have a, have a more full picture of what God's the bride of Christ is going to be like um, if if we if we did and so that's what I'm excited about um, and that's my kind of motivation I love working with people from different faiths and especially Muslims and um, I, I love Muslim background believers and discipling, um, but also, uh, yeah, people that haven't yet met Jesus. Wow. Yeah. That's a real Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Gordon, I think, is going to come up with Aga. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Aga, where where are you from originally? I'm originally from Poland. And uh, when did when did you come to England? Uh, Seventeen years ago, one seven, not seven zero. And how did you end? (laughs) 
How did you end up in Newbury? How did I came uh, with my landlady in her car because she would help me moving. Uh, so that's literally how I came uh, to Newbury. But I came here for a job at Vodafone. Vodafone. Mm. And uh, more recently, as from when, you've been associated with the Bus of Hope. 2018, I think. 2018. What is the Bus of Hope? Let's not assume anything. Okay. So we've got um, pictorial aid, official aid over there. You can see a double-decker converted bus. Well, you can't see from the outside, but that is converted. But it's converted inside. Uh, downstairs, there's a little kitchenette and sitting area. Um, and then the kitchen enables us to serve hot drinks. Um, and then upstairs, there's um, four tables where we run crafts um, activities for, for children and play games with whoever wants to play games. And you will find me there coloring as well, because I like to do that. So, yeah. And, and what kind of locations, obviously, say pre-pandemic, what kind of locations has the Buzz of Hope been going to? Yeah. So, sorry, a bit, a bit maybe of a background of... What, that is literally what Bus of Hope is, double-decker bus. But Bus of Hope represents a charity that is called Bus of Hope. And it's been set up um, in Newbury. It will be 10 years next year. But Peter and Enid Boyce from um, KCC Church. Um, and Enid had a vision to reach out to community. And then specifically the vision was to, to reach out communities and share the love of God and be the love of God and light of God um, through the bus. She literally seen the bus and she pursued that vision. Um, so Peter and Enid decided in two, about 2017 that they um, need to step, um, step down and, um, and enjoy retirement, although their retirement is quite busy. And um, yeah, and, and in, around that time I was a volunteer at the Bus of Hope. And now you're the only, shall I say, remunerated, financially remunerated person. In the Bus of Hope. Yes, right? cor correct. So um, I started off um, as a volunteer for Bus of Hope because from where I'm from, Bus of Hope wouldn't survive. Uh, people would throw rocks at it and, yeah, it just wouldn't work. So I was intrigued to, to see how, how the Christians like, hold their own um, in, in a community where children and teenagers can be quite ruthless in their honesty. Um, and also they are reaching out to non-Christian backgrounds. So I, so I was just intrigued and I started volunteering and I caught the bag. Um, and, then, um, and then I heard that Enid needs some help with a few bits and bobs and I didn't understand what, what the context was, but I thought, okay, there's a lady that needs help and I've got some time and I start helping out. And one thing led to another. There's a twisted story because I really resisted the role that I'm in now. Uh, but God had other plans, and I felt, yeah, if it wasn't, if I didn't feel that God wanted me to be in that role, I would have run away a long time ago. <laughs> just, just amplify a little bit that role. The role I'm in now is exactly what? Um, so, officially, the title is Bus of Hope Coordinator. So, it's a middle person between the trustees and volunteers and the community. So, the person that um, cleans the bus 
buys milk for the bus and biscuits that also thinks about strategy and what to do next and and physically goes out and um and meets the community and, and does the outreaches if that makes sense so the pandemic literally grounded the bus of hope the actual bus yeah. yes and now you're back to wanting to be normal activity Yes. So we Have you got locations currently? Okay, yes, we do have locations currently is we stuck to San George's um through the pandemic. Um yes, but I just want to say that during the pandemic we started we stopped going out with the bus, but we still still when we could went out to the communities. Uh just to kept just kept it simple. Um two people picnic blankets, teas and coffees, sports equipment, just to see people and see how they are checking with them. So we carried on like that through the pandemic. But then obviously two years, it's a long time, and people, you know, go different different ways and, and their priorities change. So now our kind of base of volunteers is down to very little. <laughs> right, so where you are then just now is... Needing volunteers. Yes, desperate. Can you just amplify that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volunteers sure. to do what, and what's this pressing need? Yeah. So um, for um, for a while we um, we had troubles with the bus as the bus as the vehicle, but now the bus is in tip-top shape and it's been um, checked thoroughly. It's gone through a thorough health and safety inspection. It's been renovated, so the vehicle is ready. And I think the communities are more than ready. People are asking us to go out. There's about five communities, um, including St. George's, that would like to see the bus. We've got the bus. We've got the drivers who are willing to be trained. We just need the team. And if you ask me, um, the team needs to be made up um, out of um, mature Christians, loving um, people and loving God and, and being willing to give. And what sort of commitment might this be on the part of a volunteer? Um, so I think we, yeah, people might get scared because they're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, once I, once I say yes, then that's it. That's a death sentence. Um, <laughs> but we're quite flexible. So whatever people are prepared to give, we are gratefully receiving. So if it's an hour, if it's two, two hours, typically an outreach would be two hours um, every week. Uh, if it's every week, great. If it's once a month, fabulous. Whatever people are willing to give, we'll take it and we'll work around it. Right. I mean, the reason for this is that Abby, Aga being here will cause each of you to uphold her, remember her in her work, and that her burden and desire for growing the volunteers will be fulfilled. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, typically it's, it used to be 6.30 to 8.30, but we're almost starting from scratch, so we could do anything we want. <laughs> and, you know, if we've got a team and then they've got their ability, we'll make something work. But usually after school, after school time. Probably in winter months it makes sense if it's sort of 4 o'clock onwards. But summer, summers are quite flexible as well. So, yeah, we work with what we have. <laughs> If you need to know more, ask Aga. Yes. She's the person. Bless you. Thank, Thank you very much.
And um, one thing I didn't mention when we were praying for counsel is I didn't say Pete, and I don't know why. Pete's like, you know, our Mr. Tech guy, um, king of... And, um, yeah, the other thing is just... Oh, yes, that was what I was going to say. We do this thing here Saturday afternoon, and we've been feeling like it is the right thing to gather people from the different um, arms, if you like, or the different... Uh, locations of Glendale together and clearly you know Saturday afternoons um, works to a degree we, we when we do one a year we manage to pull everyone together but spreading that across two and then with a weekend away as well um, and what we're thinking for next year so doing uh, something that is perhaps here if this is the right location uh, where we're all together in March and October uh, but doing that on the Sunday so that being the only thing that happens that weekend um so we've not got the sunday service in the morning and the sunday service in the evening and the saturday afternoon uh, so something where we're pulling everyone together um and it's the only thing that's happening so that will be sometime in march and sometime in october uh, next year so be looking out for those dates god i want to thank you for the people in this room i thank you for those who couldn't be here who are really committed to seeing your kingdom come and to committed to community and to relationship. I thank you, God, that you are committed to building your church. You've said, I will build my church. And we, Lord, help us to acknowledge that we are only a part of what you are doing. And that's why this year's motto text is so vitally important. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's follow what you are doing. Let's walk in step with you. Let's listen to you. Let's run where you say run. Help us to close the doors that you are closing, Lord. And uh, lead us into fruitfulness, I pray. John 15 Starting at verse 1, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered together in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and I will grant it to you. Then, uh, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I got to thinking about that passage this week, because I was thinking about, um, we were walking, I can't remember where, with um, Basildon Park it might have been, and seeing the first yew berries and 
holly berries. There was a tree, a holly bush in full berry this week. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And thinking about John Keats and his poem that starts with, you know, the season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. And I was thinking about fruitfulness and God's desire for us to be fruitful and thinking about where we are at and where we're positioned as a church. Thinking about a season of pruning, a season of hardship, actually, that we went through in 2020 and 21. But as we've been praying on, we pray on Tuesday mornings at the well, everybody's welcome to join us if you're around during the day, um, and just praying into the work of the church and what God's doing, praying for fruitfulness, praying for God's anointing and God's leading and God's blessing, and, um, and praying that we would see fruitfulness. And I was praying a couple of weeks ago and thinking about the growing number of people that we're connected with. I think about the baptism service that we had at Wash Common and heaving with people and lots of really meaningful connections made that day and relationships with parents of kids who come every week to Luminosity and uh, Luminous and thinking about all of the other relationships that have been built with our young people, thinking about that guy, Jake, who pitched up in the Sunday evening service because he overheard a conversation that Joel Douglas was having in the hairdressers about Jesus and asked him, where did he go to church? And came because he's like, I want to go to a church like that. And we've been in contact with him, thinking about all of the young people and the families, and it's just been going over and over in my mind, those who are coming along to replenish on a Friday morning and the youth cafe on a Friday evening and thinking about those that we connect with, Lucy, on a Friday afternoon and the ones who are not connected to church um, who come along to Luminous and Luminosity and the, the various different relationships that we have personally with people where we've sown seeds over years and years and we've longed to see God bring people to himself. I was, and we were praying on the Tuesday morning. I was like, Lord, we just pray for fruitfulness. You see, I think of the links, like, not L-Y-N-X, links. So between, think of Laurie Gale. You hear him speaking the other week, absolutely fantastic, sharing and speaking from God's word. He wandered into Friday Club one Friday evening. No church background whatsoever. No, no family edging him on and saying, come on, come on, Laurie, you go for it. And the things have got nothing. Nobody giving him her encouragement at all. And he came along to Friday Club. He got connected with a group of young people. He came into the church. He gave his life to Jesus. And he is having significant impact. Was in Southampton. Now he's doing his PhD in Cambridge. And I have no doubt that God is going to use him massively and that is just from one small connection of somebody wandering in to a Friday club on a Friday night. And I multiply that out by the number of people we currently have coming towards us. And I, I, I genuinely, I hear Andy speaking earlier, and it's an excitement that's been beginning to well up in me of the number of people who we are connected with as a church community. It is phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. We, if we had even the ones who are coming to replenish on a Friday morning, pitch up on a Sunday morning at the well, we wouldn't be able to hold them in the building with the people who are in the, in the well currently on a Sunday morning. Something to think about. And praying that Tuesday morning, God, would you, 
Would you bring about fruitfulness? Would you bring about fruitfulness? God, we pray that we would see uh, where we can make those connections that bring people right through into the family of God, not just having nice, meaningful connections, not just being a social support mechanism for them, but leading them to Jesus. And we are a faith community, people filled with the spirit of God and have the potential to lead people to the foot of the cross. It's like, Lord, show us the roots by which we can lead people to the foot of the cross to actually bring transformation to their lives. And I really felt God saying on that day, Andy and Liz bought us, a, when we bought our house, a little apple tree. My favourite apples, Discovery apples, and it's there in the garden. Lottie actually was there helping us to plant it and um, helping us to plant it. And, <laughs> and she had, she's been watching the apples grow. You know, Imagine if we'd have got to May this year and just thought, oh, a bit like Jesus when he went past the fig tree. He's like, oh, I curse you because there are no fig tree, figs on it. You know, and the disciples are like, it's not the season for figs. Imagine in May, if I'd have gone, you know what, Colleen, this is a waste of space in our garden. I'm going to pull it up because it's not bearing any fruit. But it's, of course it's not bearing fruit. It's May. It was only blossoming in April. It's going to or a fruit, fruit in August or September. Like, I mean, Andy, was, I was edging. I was like, oh, I want to get those apples off. And he's like, no, wait till September. Don't do it before September. Um, fruit comes about in its season. And we don't have the, the means by which a soul can be saved. We don't have the, that which it takes to transform a life to bring revelation we are called to sow the seeds to water them to nurture them to walk with people to build relationships to do what we are doing to do it consistently to do it faithfully to do it prayerfully to do it with the anointing of the holy spirit to speak about jesus freely whenever we have the opportunity we can't make that decision for anyone but i tell you with confidence from the feeling I had that Tuesday morning when we were praying and I've had it growing in me, I tell you with confidence, fruit is on its way. Fruit is on its way. And we should feel encouraged about what God is doing among us. We should feel encouraged about all that's going on around and about this church community. That's in terms of the activities that we're running corporately, individually, the relationships that we have that God would be moving in and through our lives that would bring about fruitfulness. It's about positioning ourselves as a church. You know, our reach is growing and it will continue to grow. Certainly if James Cowgill has anything to do with it, it will continue to grow because he's wanting to shout about Glendale all over the place. You know, he's like, oh, we should get some pens with Glendale on it. Oh, we should get some posters. Oh, we should take over the billboards. You know, I mean, he's just like really going for it. And that's fine. But just, you know, say, you go for it, James. God is going to increase our reach and the awareness of, of, of what God is doing among us. And that's going to bring people towards us. We also need to be aware of our responsibilities as individuals and our own individual influence and impact and ask God to speak to us about what he's doing and where he's at in the relationships and the people who are around our lives. But I just want to say this. It's about living in the tension. 
It's about living in the tension with prioritizing who we have and prioritizing who we do not yet have. And those two things are fundamentally important and they're equally important. So we're not going to steamroller over the things that we are currently doing that are a blessing and an encouragement and provide pastoral care and relationship and love and safety for the people who we already have. That's really important because those who we already have are a major priority. But also those who we do not yet have are equally as a major priority. And therefore, there will be attention and there will be compromise and there will be things that we'll have to do that pull us out of our comfort zones to prepare us for the harvest that lies ahead. And, you know, that's about being in it for the long haul. I remember being at Hillsong Conference years ago and um, whether you like or don't like Hillsong... Um, it was a great experience, thousands and thousands of people, and a group of the senior team were there being interviewed, and somebody said to, I think it was, um, I think it was Brian Houston's oldest son, and his name won't come to me, but Joel Houston, uh, said, what is it that is the, some of the keys to the success that you have seen? And he just said, longevity of relationship and being in it for the long haul. That is our answer. I mean, they do some great things. They throw money at things. They really work hard. They have, you know, pull in really quality. But there's all sorts of things that, have, that have, have, have an impact on what they're able to achieve and produce. But his, from his, in his mind, the number one, um, well, the, number, the, the two biggest things that have led to their success is longevity of relationships and being in it for the long haul you know we need to be in it for the long haul always willing to be to be real that's part of what it means to be an authentic community of believers that are that creates a safe place that helps us to grow together in our life group settings that helps us to flourish as God's people that knocks the edges off one another because we're willing to be real willing to be honest, willing to be open and vulnerable, always willing to serve and put ourselves out there, stretch ourselves in our abilities, stretch ourselves in terms of our comfort and always be willing to share um, who Jesus is, share what God's doing in our lives, share what God has given us uh, with each other and with the wider community. And, And in doing that, I just want to really quickly revisit something that we talked about several years ago, and we've not really talked much about it recently, but I've been feeling God just prompt me on it a bit more recently. So this here is the... <laughs> Can't see that very well, but I'll read it to you anyway. It says that, I will tell it to you off the top of my head, the purpose of Glendale Church is to uh, glorify God and extend his kingdom. We intend to reach out with the life-changing news of Jesus, to see God heal soul, mind, and body, and prepare people to live fruitfully for God. And on the other side, there's just this really important thing, and I want you to get a hold of this, because we talked about it a few years ago, and we haven't done much. It's not a trendy little slogan. It's not like how to build a great brand. This is really core 
stuff that helps us with our discipleship, helps you in being a disciple of Jesus, helps me with being a disciple of Jesus. Because oh, the most important thing for all of us is, well, am I a member of Glendale Church? Am I involved in this? Am I involved in that? Am I doing this? Am I doing the other? No. Am I a disciple of Jesus? And I want, and what will cause uh, this church community to grow exponentially is when we make that conscious decision to be a disciple of Jesus. And we've talked about it um, before. The big five. And they are to participate in Sundays, to be a part of a life group, to serve wholeheartedly as part of a team, to give generously, and to have regular personal time with God. And I just want us, as we look to the future, we are expecting a season of fruitfulness, a season of growth, the number of people who um, have faces that we've been seeing and then seeing them again and then seeing them again. And I think that that's going to continue. I want us to go away from here uh, genuinely feeling optimistic about the future, optimistic about what God is doing among us. Optimistic that discipleship is happening all around us and to embrace it, to feel excited about that. And to be prayerful about the big five. Thinking around our own lives and our involvement, our discipleship within this church community. How can I participate on Sundays? Am I actively part of a life group? And if not, how can I be? What would that work? What would that look like for me? Serving wholeheartedly as part of a team in different ways. Obviously, there's the, I think that Agus talked about the Sunday teams which we're going to be talking a little bit about in November to create teams for 2023, giving generously. And actually, there's an um, opportunity to do that at the back there. There's also the gift day coming up. There's a letter there if you didn't get that about gift day next Sunday. There's some hard copies on the table at the back over there. And having that commitment to regular personal time with God. And the reason why these are in place is because they're so fundamental to our discipleship and our growth in God. And sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel like we're not making progress. And it's worthwhile just doing a little MOT, going through that list and thinking, well, okay, are there any of these areas where I need to actually just take the plunge and step forward in my discipleship? I'd like us to pray, and then we're going to have um, a few minutes of worship. And if there's anybody who has any prophetic words or anything that you feel to share, then uh, feel free to do that. We've got until half past, and then we have all systems go to get the hall cleaned and empty and ready to hand over the key at five o'clock. So um, if Pete and Joe, if you want to come, uh, if we could stand together, I'm going to just pray for us. I just want to thank you, God, because of this amazing group of people. I thank you for that reality of being in it for the long haul. I thank you for the reputation that we have because of the reliability and the character of people who've been doing this for years and years, of Andy and Cliff and Gordon and Ian.
and others who have faithfully sown and faithfully given of themselves into the work of your house. And we thank you for all that you have done and we thank you for where you have brought us to. And we pray, God, that you will continue to lead us, you will continue to inspire, encourage, equip, bring people to us. I pray, Lord, for hands to the plough. I ask you for, um, I ask you that you will surprise us with people coming towards us with, um, to, to grow our worship ministry. Thank you for Pete and Joe and all of those who are involved. And I pray, Lord, that you will increase and grow that team. Pray for right across the board that we would see your house alive and brimming over with activity and with, with new life. We worship you, Lord.